you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the League podcast crashed their remote control cars during practice. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hanses, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. How are you? Going to miss this voice? How are you? We have to ask how you're doing. This is a big day. In around the league podcast history, that's right. Preseason week one's over. No, it's Dan's Eve <laughs> of having a baby. Yeah. What do you call that? This is Baby Eve. We'll call it. Just go with it. Uh, boy Hansis will soon be born. I will be uh, out of the office for a little bit. This will be my last podcast for uh, for a little while. I will return and I, I will leave it in your capable hands. I feel comfortable. It's, and I talked to Greg about this. Like uh, Greg will be stepping in, writing the hard caps. Uh, the, excuse me, the hard knocks recaps on Tuesday. Hard caps, maybe we'll call yeah. them that. Ooh, that'd be good. <laughs> and uh, there's a there's a level of uh, you know responsibility that that falls onto Greg, even though he is the boss. Now he's got to do some hosting duties on the uh, on the uh, old podcast. Well, I said I'm Big gonna spot. I'm gonna be like the Ryan Mallet to your Tom Brady. <laughs> So that everyone just appreciates the legend of Dan Hansis while he's gone. But you know, let's not change the subject here. How are you, how you feeling? I mean, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I have some anxiety. David Ely, one of our, our great editors downstairs, really our greatest editor, he left me a bottle of champagne on my desk. Uh, says, from Ely, scrawled like he's in sixth grade, which he might be. Note, do not give to baby bottle of champagne. <laughs> well, he is <laughs> a responsible you, editor. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's what's going on in my life. But, you know. Do you have any tips, any advice? I had, well, it's not a tip because you'll just have to learn on your own about being a dad, Mm. but I have a name suggestion. Oh, go ahead. It's a little off the cuff. Just before you go on, know that I absolutely will not take your suggestion. That's fine. I thought long and hard about this, but I am thinking Spoonie Six. (laughs) (laughs) Spoonie Six Hansis? Yeah. Six is is the middle name? Like from Blossom, the best friend? No, it would be like a Spoonie, uppercase V, uppercase one. Like a Roman numeral, so like Prince Six. Hmm. The, That's the first Prince? thing that came to mind a second ago. Spoonie Six Hansis. I'll run it by the wife. Throw it by her. <laughs> I know she's. You know she can think for herself. Yeah, I'll throw it by her. I'm gonna give you some advice. Mm-hmm. The you know the birth itself, horror show. Um, <laughs> you know you're worried about the wife. The best part of the whole thing is when you get to go home the first day after the hospital. That's as Damashek would say, a little slice of heaven. All right, that's good to know. I'm I'm ready <laughs> for this. Thing. I'm not I'm ready and not ready at the same time. But in the meantime, we gotta do one more great pod together before it oh, Wes is holding his hands out. I noticed she didn't ask me for any advice on child rearing. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't ask us either. We just Wes, I would I would love to know your advice. Do not let your baby around people like me because <laughs> I don't know what to do with a baby. Like I might <laughs> shake it or something. <laughs> also noted that I will definitely tell my wife. Yeah, just to give her a heads up. I uh, have five little brothers. I know how to handle it. Oddly, that was the best advice I've gotten so far. Yeah, keep the baby away from Wes. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, all right, big show today, and I'm I'm looking for. I'm going to really savor this because I won't do it for a little while. We have uh, 
you know, the preseason week one is over. In the book, 17 games and uh, plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, and we're going to get to all that. We're going to go through every game. We're also going to spin it around and go around the old horseshoe and talk about winners and losers from week one of the preseason because uh, God knows there were many. Uh, Sessler, by the way, a lot of feedback about your descriptions of the Dallas Cowboys defense I saw on social media that seemed to really connect with the populace. Yeah, I heard about it as well. I mean, we considered putting it in print, but it seems a little edgy. Is that right, Greg, for our website? Cowboys have enough issues right now to deal with. <laughs> you know, we don't need to pile on. And we, yeah, and we will. As we <laughs> talked about the Cowboys game that Mark covered uh, on Thursday night. Uh, Mark's uh, go and listen to the end of the last podcast. To I have a solution for you. Yeah. You don't need to put it on the website. You could just create a Google Doc. Put what, the names on there and then send out the link. And then people who want the transcript of your brilliant essay on the Cowboys will have it. I'm going to have Wes sit down with me technically and walk me through that, and we'll get that done. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> that's good. Good job, guys. We're rolling now. TD behind the glass. How are you, buddy? What's going on, fellas? And just just to note that, yes, Sessler, I got a lot of a lot of tweets saying, hey, we want the whole thing because we had to fade out the podcast. Hey, guys, we ran out of space. You know, I had to fade it out at the end. Didn't have enough, so – if you ever put out that Google document, please shoot it out. Is please it true? Go. Is this an example, TD, when you sit with me privately and you tell me how the life of a producer can be difficult? This is an exact example of when it, the job maybe isn't so fun. What is know. this ran out of space? I, I noticed that some other podcasts can go for like an hour and a half or two hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's my story, and I'm sticking uh, to it. <laughs> we're recording on a 60-minute cassette, apparently. <laughs> hey, uh, TD, we're not even going to do any news today because we have so many games to get to. Uh, uh, but we wouldn't want to deny you your big moment that you have every show with us, TD. So let's let's not do some news. Yeah. Back at him. Back at him. Yeah. Was that Spoonie Six? <laughs> what was that? That was the daughter that of Spoonie Six. Yeah. Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. Oh. The new oh, I should know TV. that. Hip hop video. They shut it down, guys. Yeah, they, they really did. You should. Uh... I thought that was like Mob Deeper. <laughs> no, that was pretty good. That's, that's props to Peyton Man and Neil. Them boys were turned. Oh yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. were. Hot and, fire. And I will say that it is a huge, a, a huge. And you could watch this video. It's a direct TV video, a music video. Uh, you could watch it on NFL.com/slash/ATL. We did a post on it. That much better than last year's video, which was uh, football, football on, on your phone. phone where Eli Manning disrespected the legacy of Alexander Graham Bell, famously. Uh, so check out the new video. Why it's do very I imagine funny. it's still being tedious? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would think this is what I'd say, because I know where you're coming from on that. Check it out. I will. Let's check it out, man. Might Mark, be the first funny thing Peyton Manning's ever put on video. Oh, wow. Uh, Two comic geniuses on the other side of the table today. <laughs> Let's get into the – why don't we do it? Let's do some winners and losers. And why don't we, where do we want to start, fellas? Who wants to get things going? We, uh, we have so many winners and losers to get to. Mm. I'll start. How about the boss gets it going? How about a little Blake Bortles? We've heard a lot about the other rookie quarterbacks. All camp. Blake Bortles threw more impressive throws. And granted, we're working off a limited skill set, limited sample size. He had more impressive throws than the rest of the rookie quarterbacks combined. He had five pro quality down the field, people in his face, big arm, very accurate. He had, he had a great performance. Mm. Which makes sense because he's the guy, according to the script, we won't see until 2015. <laughs> well, I came away watching. I said if he does that again next week, I, I think they must reconsider. Let me say they're not, they're not going to. I don't know. I, I think if he played that well, and, and Henny did nothing, by the way. I don't think we're going to see him before October, no matter what. They, what Jack, if Henny goes in the tank? I just is ad, I don't remember a team ever being this adamant about when they're going to play him and when they're not going to play him. I, I just I can't see. I mean, I don't believe he's going to sit all year, but I don't think we'll see him before it October. It has to be a mandate then from ownership on down where everyone is completely on the same page, with wouldn't sh which wouldn't shock me coming from that trio. But honestly, what if Henny is an absolute train wreck week one and two? Are you, you're they know what win? Chad Henny is. Well, Wait, how confident are we? So off the one game, are we, are we really confident this guy is ready to roll? No, 
But it was yes. very intriguing and, and made you want to see more. It's the type of performance that a coach would see, wow, that was in a live game situation. I want to see more of that because Chad Henney, I, they left in there for four or five series, didn't have a point. And what was Gus didn't, Bradley's response didn't have a point. about this? Maybe Bortles will see first-team snaps in the fourth preseason game. Right. Yeah. Which would be shocking if it did and if you have a starter in place. Is there a first team in the fourth preseason no. game? It's not, not totally it. unprecedented to not start a rookie quarterback in the preseason and then start him in the regular season. It's happened. I just can't think of what, who. Do, uh, do we want to stay positive with winners and then roll back to losers, do, or do we want to hear Greg's loser now? What do you guys want to do? I think uh, TD suggested we just roll through winners. All right. TD nodding his head. So. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. <laughs> That seems a little bit, you know, maybe not necessary. That was a victory for you, TD? <laughs> no, we're just doing winners. Oh, That's I, see. Oh, oh, I like, thought you were celebrating that. You're over us as the producer and then playing the winner spot. <laughs> uh, Chris Wessling, your winner. I saw this year's Ryan Matthews. Mark, that? Mark Ingram. Hubba hubba. Looks better than I've ever seen him since he left Alabama. He looked quick, had great balance, had some power, breaking through arm tackles, spinning around, knocking defenders over. Mark Ingram looks fantastic. What's the difference between now and two years ago with this guy? Well, he's battled a lot of like nagging injuries, knee injuries since he's been in the NFL. He looks healthy, and maybe he's a few pounds lighter. He, maybe he he's looks more f- motivated. Who knows? Contract year? Well, they, wouldn't, they didn't give him the option. Maybe that lit a spark under him. He, I thought he played well in, in spots last year, too. That Dallas game, for instance. He Play, playoffs, he looked, looked like good, force. too. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the preseason's about. I'm not going to get carried away with team performance overall, but people say, oh, well, Ingram, a lot of that was against the backups, or, or it's only the preseason. It doesn't matter. Either he's running with explosion, he's fast, and you can see that, or I he's not. totally agree. I don't care about what stats he put up compared to other running backs and – I, I totally agree. You can see he's more explosive, and this is exactly what you could see from Ryan Matthews last August. It's the same thing with Bortles. I, I mentioned how well he played on Twitter at one point and got a lot of negative feedback. Oh, it was only against the backups. When he is about to throw the ball 25 yards down the field on the sideline with a guy just about to hit him in his face and the receiver is well covered, it doesn't matter if he's facing the second or third team. That's the same throw. Right. That's a throw that – Half of the NFL quarterbacks can't make. Bortles made a couple of those. Mark Ingram, you're saying, you know, look pretty good too. Yes. The, the Saints have a pick-your-poison offense issue. Does it concern you? Not a concern really, but, I mean, in terms of playing a major role for them, they have a committee backfield at this, this point. Right. I'm not saying it. fantasy guys should run out and pick him up. Yeah. I don't really care about your fantasy team, listeners. Sorry. <laughs> I, I just don't. But No one's asking. I'm to. telling you, he looks good. That's all I'm telling you. Uh, Pierre Thomas, I, I wrote about it today on the Around the League block. He had the most touches for them last year, most carries. That looks like it's going to change this year. Uh, is he now Darren Sproles in this offense? I don't know if they have a Darren Sproles, but I would I would think he plays mostly on passing. Kyrie Robinson looks good on passing downs. Only caught one pass last year, but they know he can do it. I think Ingram will be mostly on first and second downs. Mark Sessler, how about a winner? Well, you know, I we I think we spent the last couple months uh, on our radar. Certain young guys, rookies, get on our radar, and we write articles, you know, based on the glowing reports coming out of camp. I think I wrote three or four, you know, a couple of us did as well, about John Brown in Arizona. And there was always a part of me that thought this could go very poorly if he's a guy that in practice with no pads, he's flying past cornerbacks that aren't jamming him. This could be a non-issue by October. But goes out in the first game against a Texans defense that is apparently sort of a disaster uh, beyond J.J. Watt. And Maybe they G- get 50 names, 50 descriptions as well. They, you know, I, 100 names for Texas is where we're going pretty soon here. <laughs> but, I mean, Brown, you know, team high 10 targets, had 87 yards. And, again, it's not about the stats, I think, in this situation, too. He was out there with the ones. He looked very smooth. His speed is – I think he, he created a 39-yard pass interference – penalty because cornerbacks just don't know what to do with the guy right now. That's where penalties come from. I think it's encouraging that, you know, he's not the biggest guy. He's a, he's a slight guy, more like a T.Y. Hilton build, that he's going to have a chance to contribute right away for an offense that's intriguing. Might be ATL team of the year candidate potential. Team I was, of ATL. I was checking out the fancy new search function on preseason live. 
There's a lollipop for you. I know. Tasty. That was done on purpose. (laughs) And uh, when the John Brown plays came up, it was interesting to hear uh, color analyst Ron Woofley, who we love because he sounds just like Jesse the Body Ventura. (laughs) And he was comparing. He basically said, John Brown, this guy is Marvin Harrison. The way he moves, the way he jogs, the way he gets in and out of his cuts. I don't know if I'd go that far. We don't know how he is as a boundary receiver. We don't know if his hands are great. But he was open all game. I thought that was the best part. Well, and so he's been car- compared to T.Y. Hilton, <laughs> now to Marvin Harrison. We just got to get someone to draw a Reggie Wayne link, and we got the entire Blair Colts White. roster. There we go. Throw in there. White, you know. <laughs> well, they used them like Hilton, too, which I would find very encouraging if I was thinking about throwing a little late-round pick on John Brown or something. They swung the ball to him after he motioned out of the backfield. So it was a play that they threw to him right at the line of scrimmage. And then they threw it deep to him. And they're only do, you only do that with a few types of receivers. T.Y. Hilton's one of them. I guess I'll throw it out as my winner because somebody's got to bring it up. Johnny Manziel, Cleveland Browns quarterback, winner of the week for me. Not so much for what he did because I don't think he, he lit it up. Right. Why have it be merit-based? <laughs> well, you know, you know, merit is overrated, I've found, in my life. But in, in this case, you, you look at what Hoyer had the opportunity to do was maybe really put, put a, get a real lead in this race and be in position where Mike Pettin would feel almost compelled to let him start the second game, too, if he played really well. But instead, Manziel play, makes some plays. Hoyer doesn't, doesn't really do much to get people excited. So now we're in a situation I know NFL media's Dan Helley is reporting that Manziel is going to be starting the second preseason game. Pettin has said no decision has been made. But listen... I think it's pretty clear Manziel will be starting that second game. And the fact that he's in this position now, Wes has to be feeling good. And Cleveland Browns fans that want to see Johnny Manziel week one have to be feeling good because after one week of the preseason, Manziel's closer to the starting job than further away. He didn't do that much, though. I mean, I thought Hoyer had the best couple passes in the game. Manziel had one nice pass. Both of them were hurt by drops. Each one of them had two drops that killed drives, penalties. I thought Hoyer looked good. I mean, he looked like Brian Hoyer. Not not like a great starting quarterback, but just the workman-like, you know, league average, below league average, sort of 25th best starting quarterback. In the Get league. excited for that. <laughs> no, I Cleveland. know. But Manziel didn't do anything. I think Hoyer we're all, is we're all who waiting. we thought he was, a very good backup. Yeah, I agree. But Manziel, to me, also didn't pop off the screen. He, didn't, he wasn't bad, but he wasn't good either. A little slow. He made some plays. He made some plays happen, which this offense is going to need because they're going to be a bad offense. But how many? He had a 16-yard scramble. He got away from pressure quite a few I mean, times when nothing else was going on. I mean, he didn't make that many plays. Brian Hoyer probably made the best couple throws of the game. Maybe. One that wasn't caught by Miles Austin. And there was another good one down the field. I, it would, to me, it was hard to pull much out of this game. I Menzo just thought- had a pretty exciting one-yard game. <laughs> it was really exciting, and again, it goes back to even the players on the sidelines saying, like, when Menzil was in a game, the guys are standing up watching, doing the money sign. Like, you got to pay attention That means to that. something. Like, yeah, the locker room is... He also yeah. was wincing for part of the game after he tried to run over two defenders on a third and one, didn't get the first down, and that reminded me immediately of RG3. Like, well, if, if he is seeking well, out contact, it could be a problem. He's not does. seeking out contact. And to his credit, he's always very well-spoken. He explained it after the game. Look, I know I can't do that. And I, let me let me have a few more games where I get my reads down and can go through my progressions, and I won't be doing that kind of stuff. You know, and, one, one thing I think of, if you're Kyle Shanahan, and to go back what Dan said about Dan Helley's report where he's going to start, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, run out of town because my offense didn't suit our star quarterback, nothing makes more sense on a couple different levels. One, Manziel deserves to start because he playing behind Cleveland's second offensive line, which was an absolute shambles. He was pressured on 7 of 14 dropbacks, and in most of them very quickly, not even a chance to do much with it. Give him a chance behind the number one line. But two, if you're Shanahan, go into Washington and say, excuse me, I'll show you what we can do with it with a playmaking quarterback in my attack. And TD, you're referring to, was that the fourth and short scramble for the first down? That was the fourth and short. Well, well, he had a pass. but He, he had a wide-open fullback for a 10- to 20-yard right. game, potentially. But he knows that. He did say, I've got to make those Right. Runs. But, yeah, that's kind of, if you want to make the case for Hoyer still, it's like this kid still has a lot to figure out how to play at this level. Right. Why you, rush him? You could make the case for Manziel. He's not going to learn that 
play sitting from the bench. But that, he learned the other night that, look, I, that guy was open. And, I need to hit him. And, Wesley, this is where I differ with you a little bit. I don't know if, if you, where you're on the Blake Bortles, but the idea of sitting a guy like Bortles, who shows a lot of promise, you don't learn that much. I don't want to hear about Aaron Rodgers from now until the end of time. Get these guys on the football field. That's how you learn to play the game. And I think with Manziel, he's going to grow and learn about his progressions by being there, not by sitting alone in meetings. I don't think the Jaguars should sit Bortles. I'm saying I believe they will because I've never heard a team that adamant before. All right, because for positive folks around here, we're going to do another round of winners. So let's go back around the horseshoe. Craig Rosenthal, the boss, a winner. Matt Castle's a winner because we've said that preseason is what matters. Practice is not what matters, apparently. I think practice matters somewhat because sometimes the preseason, there's not much to take for it. Manziel, for instance, and, and Hoyer, they were pretty even. Castle and Bridgewater were not even in this one game. Castle had a really good first touchdown drive. And more importantly for Castle, Bridgewater was very slow in his decision-making, missed a couple throws. wasn't the worst performance in the world, but wasn't a good two quarters out of him. He looked like a rookie that still had some things to learn, and it made me think Bridgewater needs a big week two of the preseason to end up starting week one of the regular season. And I think this is why preseason games do matter because – it's very hard for a head coach. You want to get your fans excited. You want to get, you want you want to have the season mean something, and it's not really going to mean anything if Castle's your starting quarterback. But it's also a challenge because you have to sell the locker room on the quarterback. And if Bridgewater can't get an offense going, you, yeah, I guess you have to go into the season with the guy who does get an offense going. And it was just a handful of drives, and he made a nice play. Mark, you and I talked about it where he rolled out and it was called back from penalties. I mean, he did a few nice things. The there, problem, was, there was a penalty in this weekend? <laughs> there was. We'll, we'll get to that. I didn't realize that. The problem that he had in that Manziel had a couple times that a lot of rookie quarterbacks that he just froze a little bit. He just got back there. He kind of looked around. He wasn't going through, and he took some sacks that he didn't need to. Castle got lucky that essentially – Corderell Patterson, who maybe should really be the winner, had two great catches on third down where he was in traffic. Cordell and- Patterson running NFL routes. Well, well I, that, that stood out. We we're going to see him play a role very different than last season in terms of how he's used. He's going to have a big year. And a, it- nice, and a nice job by Castle on that touchdown drive. He hit Patterson twice. He hit Kyle Rudolph for a near touchdown. Got Greg Jennings involved, so he showed the ability to spread it around with some Pretty good weapons as well. If Patterson is catching those third and nine move the chains types of passes where he's out muscling cornerbacks, which he did in this game, on top of the big plays, forget Look about out. forget <laughs> about number one making the leap. Number one in the NFL. Ow! <laughs> Hold on. Go for it. I'm just Hold I'm on kidding. It reminds I do, me a lot don't of believe that Cleveland's <laughs> offense from last year where out of nowhere you get Jordan Cameron, and they've got that in Kyle Rudolph, and you've got potentially Patterson. I, it's not saying he's Josh Gordon, but he's going to – maybe eat and have a huge amount of yardage and catches. There's That pass attack was dead on arrival a couple of years ago. Well, it's more interesting now. If we're talking about their offense, why don't we go to your second winner? Well, I liked, wow, and I'm not Wes. sure. Well, See, you don't need me here. You know, this was that, <laughs> wow. was, that was well done. That I just was got good the chills. I, I like Jarek <laughs> McKinnon. You know, they're, they're running back. Adrian Peterson obviously didn't see a second of action in this. And, you know, I, with McKinnon, maybe we don't see much of him for a big chunk of the early portion of the year. But I think that they should put him out there as a guy in situations because he showed great vision. He had some nice cuts. He's faster than I thought he would be. You know, and Adrian Peterson talked this guy up all offseason. I thought he's just being nice to his young teammate, building some confidence. But he looked good to me, and I, I want to see more of him. It's only it's a small sample size one game, but it was promising. A lot of good running backs, rookie running backs this he year. He could be a third down back for them. Why sure. not? I'll, I'll also remember in that game, Matt Asiata, one of our favorite players from a year ago, absolutely undressed Charles Woodson on some oh, play. Oh, yes, he I didn't, did. I didn't think he had that sort of moves on him where he shook Charles Woodson. Why didn't you think he had those kind of moves? I don't. I took, I took more about Woodson out of that play than Asiata. I, I did too. <laughs> yeah. Asiata, 20 carries, 40 yards in his one start. That's why. I, <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> three I, touchdowns. No, wait a second. It was 30 for 50. Okay, I just was 30 for 50 with three, three touchdowns. touchdowns. <laughs> the greatest stat line in his third position. <laughs> That's a McGahey. Uh Who's up? Is it my turn? Go for it. Okay. D- have we brought up Ryan Tannehill? Can no. I talk about no, no. your boy, Go Bill Lazor, Mark Sessler, offensive boom, coordinator boom. for the Miami Dolphins? He did something very smart, I thought. He, he, he set up a nice game plan, their first drive against the Falcons on Friday night. They went right down the field, a 10-play, 73-yard drive, uh, easy touchdown pass from Tannehill to Brandon Gibson, and then 
seizing on this good moment, Laser or, you know, and the head coach, obviously, Philbin working together. Pull Tannehill out of the game. Six for six, touchdown drive, good spirit, carries through the week. For one day at least, Bill Lazor is the greatest offensive mind in the history of the NFL. And Sessler, speaking of chills, I was sitting across from Mark. You should have seen him hopping in his seat. He was so excited about it. <laughs> that, is, that is not accurate. Uh, <laughs> but I did think they did a nice job. And the, the, he promised a couple things. He said we're going to be a faster offense. From what little we saw, they were, they were faster. And Tannehill... You know, he looked uh, to be in control, which which was comforting because when I when we actually talked to Laser a couple months ago, <laughs> he said that Tannehill was his mind was swimming with all the new stuff they were doing. So that a few steps were made there. Little peek behind the curtain for the listeners. Mm. Bill Laser was supposed to be on the making the leap list as one of Mark Sessler's guys. Yep. But he was outvoted at the last minute. Someone else was shoehorned in. But you are a huge. Bill well, Lazor. I, I don't know. Mark is staking his entire professional career on Bill Lazor's success. I'm not failure. sure I even have a professional career. But like, <laughs> you know, this is here's the thing. My feeling all along is why I I get bothered with the group of coordinators that are like the Mike Shermans that are so Bill married, Musgrave. right, to the old school things they grew up in that they're unable to change. And Lazor didn't just come out of nowhere and he work came under from Chip space. Kelly. His last name's Lazor. <laughs> <Right>. Lazor <laughs> he worked, tag. He worked for Gibbs. He worked for Holmgren. He worked for a bunch of guys. And Chip. he decided, that's right, with Kelly's, like, this is what I want to take with me now that I have this chance. That spoke to me. And I don't know why 20 teams aren't using elements of Philly's offense. Well, let's see. I, we talked about this Friday night. If the Dolphins' offense takes off, which I still i am not convinced, but if it happens – a lot of teams are going to start doing this. It will become right. the new copycat offense. We'll see what happens. All right. This is the best part, though. Oh, did you go, Wes? I need to Cause, oh, you were my so good. Like, number two. You were so good transitioning that I, I thought you were the host and you didn't have one. That happens to the host sometimes. Chris I, Wesley. Does. Let's hear your winner. One of the reasons why I am so fascinated by the Steelers is because they were a team on the brink. They were either going to go really old and really slow and stay that way and then have to completely rebuild or with one draft class and some remnants of last year's draft class, turn their team around and become young and speedy. And I think that's what they've done. Dree Archer, that 46-yard screen pass, I mean, that was just blinding speed. They're going to use him on returns, maybe three or four touches a game on offense as a gadget player. And then Ryan Shazier and Stefan Tuitt on defense. And Jarvis Jones had a really impressive sack. These are three guys who are probably going to enter the starting lineup together. And all of a sudden the Steelers' defense has young legs. I think they're going to be one of the most fun teams to watch this year. Has, has Roethlisberger in a Steelers' career ever had a guy like Archer? Uh, Willie Parker was really fast, but he wasn't that involved in the passing game. I mean, their he running backs haven't been that kind of running back Unless, or – Unless you want to go Moeldy Moore. I guess Chris Rainey doesn't count. No. no. Chris Rainey. They Chris had Rainey a- was supposed to be the original Dre Archer in Todd Haley's dreams. They had Antoine Randall-L for That's about true. a minute. That's true. Gadget player. Losers. It's fun to talk about losers, people that fail. And I don't know what makes that fun to talk about, but it is. We don't root for this, but we're going to talk about it. Who are the losers from week one of the preseason? The boss. Get us going. Let's start with Josh McCown and the Buccaneers offensive line. It's only the preseason, but it was the worst possible effort you could have out of an offensive line. He was under pressure every single play against Jacksonville. If I was voting for a preseason MVP on defense right now, it's a little early. A send, little bit. Send Derek Marks from Jacksonville. Look like the best defensive tackle in the NFL. <laughs> right. For, for four, they, they left McCown in there for four series just because they wanted – you know him to get something going, and it just kept getting worse. And it just got me thinking, McCown has made a career out of improvising. He's the poor man's Brett Favre. He's definitely not a guy the that – The very poor man's. The vagrant's yeah, man's. you know what I mean. Destitute. <laughs> Playing behind a terrible offensive line, I don't know if that's going to work for him. You know what I mean? Last year in Chicago, he had pretty good protection. Well, Wes, answer to that. He is your boy. That's a concern. I didn't realize when I wrote the Making Elite piece that Carl Nix would be out of the picture completely – that uh, Jamal Meredith would be benched after one preseason game, maybe they can uh, convince the 49ers to part with Alex Boone. You can't. Mm. I think and they've been we, rumored to be one they, of the teams involved. Well, they're a logical fit. I think if we, if we have a making-the-leap candidate where the world around them melts to the point where we can't really get an accurate – you can't get a real picture of McCown in this offense 
with what's going on with their offensive line. You know, Jeff Tedford, all offseason, wouldn't tell reporters anything about his offense. And it was everyone down in Tampa Bay shrouded in mystery. We don't know what, what we're going to get. And in fact, his players weren't allowed to speak about anything either. What we learned was incredibly disturbing. <laughs> it's that you actually don't have an offensive line. That's not the secret you want to wait to spring on people at this point in the offseason. And, and we don't want to get too carried away with the preseason. It, it almost – the preseason results sometimes can just remind us of a story we, we just hadn't thought much about. Because if you look at their offensive line, it is terrible on paper too. It's not just terrible in those couple series. Uh, a year ago at this time, they had three of the highest paid players at their positions in the offensive line in the NFL, Davin Joseph, Donald Penn, Carl Nix. None of them are on the team anymore. A lot of times with offensive lines, a lot of teams go into training camp or into the preseason with two or three question marks. But, you know, as time passes, you find somebody that you could play and somebody steps up, that whole next man up. But sometimes nobody steps up. And then it's a disaster show. And I feel bad, not just for McCown, but if he if he struggles and they're one and four because the line is terrible, then Mike Glennon goes in and all of a sudden he's got the deck stacked against them for a second straight year. That's how important an offensive line is, and they left themselves highly vulnerable. Lovey right Smith is like, I refuse to take ownership or command a team that has a competent <laughs> offensive line. He's like, if you look at my resume, that never happened in Chicago. It's not I'm going to pick thing. up right where I left off in Tampa. I'm not right. comfortable with that. Yeah. Speaking of highly vulnerable offensive lines. Are you doing it again? <laughs> Bring it. My biggest loser Ow! is the Colts' offensive line. Ow! They had already lost Donald Thomas for the season, starting left guard. Starting center, Colette Holmes, goes down with a looks like a major ankle sprain. Could be out two to three weeks. Uh, rookie Ulrich John, who was going to be quality depth. Ulrich. Broke his leg. He's done. Mark has that jersey, too. He just bought it. Very annoying it. name because anyone would think, think it's John Ulrich right. trying to write a story. I, I feel you there. That's, that's horrible. Anyway, so Andrew Luck <laughs> hit more than any quarterback in the NFL in two straight seasons. He has no idea what it's like to have pass protection, and he's not going to know what it's like again this year. Trent Richardson, no holes to go, run through as a slow running back. It's a problem. And to me, this is what separates. The Colts like to think that they're one of the six best teams, but they're not. Mm. They're way behind the Patriots and Broncos for reasons like the offensive line and a defense that wasn't fixed. They have no one but Robert Mathis who can rush the passer. They have major gaping holes on this team, and that's why they're still going to win the AFC South, but they're not a realistic contender. They're a team like built from the outside in versus let's get a strong They're line up built front. to just rest on Andrew Luck's shoulders. Dangerous. Ten and six, maybe sneak out of the first round and then get wiped out by a true contender type situation. Repeat of last year. Mark, a loser, a big old loser. Mine is an animal. Oh. And that <laughs> animal is a zebra. <laughs> <laughs> I am exceedingly annoyed with the officials and the referees. I understand that there's this league-imposed thing where we've got to clamp down on defensive holding and we've got to teach the cornerbacks how to play a new type of defense after you spent your all-20s and 30s playing defense a different way. Teams now, too. well, listen, D Dan did an article here and put the stats together from ESPN. Basically, there were 27 illegal contact penalties in 17 preseason games. 27. There were 37 all last season. Yeah. You project that out? That is a killer for viewers. I it's 712,000 penalties. I added it up. No, I didn't. Is that – By the way, that's John Clayton's research. Watch football? John Clayton. And they had 53 defensive holding calls this weekend. There were only 171 all last year. Wow. It's grim. But first of all, these referees, Mark, because you're putting it on these poor fellas – you know, they're not acting of, you know, out of their, their own volition. This is coming down from Park Avenue. The shadowy league figures say, hey, we want to, you know, clamp down on this, this situation. You do our bidding. And How that's about all they're they doing. say, excuse me, Mr. Person coming down from your league office, we are going to argue you on this because it slows the game down and it's taking away from the viewer a product that they And you value. know what they say? You're fired, You're right. Trump. <laughs> Allow me <laughs> to temper your concern on this issue. Okay. This is not Major League Baseball we're dealing with. We're dealing with an entity that understands entertainment. Major League Baseball will do anything to make the game slower. They encourage that. <laughs> can, oh, we can, we can have replay to look and see if a second baseman left the bag too early I on a double there. play? 
NFL doesn't do that stuff. Is they it already that time of week where Wes just takes pot shots at baseball? Look, I, like I love it. baseball. <laughs> the minor leagues run a great sport. <laughs> now, wait. So, do you, do you so think, wait, what, though, what is your point? The NFL in the, the NFL, end will, this will is, get it right. They're just setting the tone. For yeah. the season, but It'll once once the season the starts, right. they're not going to sacrifice entertainment. Wait, so why is this such call. a why is this such a brilliant idea by the NFL to crack down on something that they have no business cracking down on? They're putting the it starts. in the cornerback's head for the season, yeah. and then they're going to allow some of that to go. But they want them to change. I think the way they're they trying play. to change behavior in the preseason, and that makes sense. There was a drive at the end of the Browns Lions game where uh, Kellen Moore, who's getting you know touted as this fantastic third string quarterback. They suddenly find themselves on Cleveland's Who's thirty-five. Well, no, I read things. So I read things. He's like the fourth-ranked quarterback in Pro Football Focus. Blah blah. It's well, like, well, hold don't on. bring up Pro Football hold Focus around here. Half of the preseason, after three series, he was. They in. Who find cares? themselves on Cleveland's thirty-five-yard <laughs> line, having not even gained a yard because it was like three or four straight right, defensive let, holding calls. Let's get Pete up back on the line from Pro Football Focus to talk to Mark about this. <laughs> not and necessary. West, West, you want to take any? Uh, any shots at uh, Pete about this? No, Pete and I are on good terms. Great job by Pete, by the way. Did a great he was job. in Wes, who is, while Mark is the intrepid reporter, Wes is like the reporter that the attack dog. That I'm really, the inquisitor. Like, yeah, you're the, the great inquisitor. <laughs> and uh, He's like the New York Post reporter at the Super Bowl that doesn't care if the coach there you know, likes him or not and just starts going at him. But Pete and I like each other. There's yeah, a mutual no, respect I can tell there. that. I can tell that. You're like the reporter where someone's like, hey, what's your problem, man? And you're like, I'll do anything for his story. Anything. <laughs> Except I won't. <laughs> yeah, I wish you did. Um, TD, you seem like you really want to jump in on this official things, by the way. I just it's just funny to me how Cessna goes on these rants, you know. Oh. He just picks a topic and just goes for it. I love it, you know. I'm this just got amazed. me annoyed well, over the weekend cuz I, I have would so much this, time though, to it's watch what, football. It's what to Wes's point is what leagues do. The NBA does this as well where in preseason they start off with this new rule that they're going to implement and like as the season goes along, no one cares. You know, they they pull back. TD, it's are the, there uh, speaking of mammals in Nigeria? Yeah. Are there zebras? No. <laughs> That's a huge misconception. I've never seen a zebra before in my life. I've never seen. I've probably That's, seen a uh, lion. Southern, south of the Sahara. Yeah. Awkward. Yeah. I just did a, a, let's transition away from that. Savannah, I, I just did a cursory uh, search and I see the zebras of northern Nigeria. I've never. Well, I, I lived in the west of Nigeria. I did ride a lot of horses as a kid, though. No zebras. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I, I can was picture a big horse you guy. On a horse, no saddle. I used to love right Zoro. The water that, was, that was my thing. That was like my superhero. Big horse, kid. no saddle. <laughs> really? Yeah. Interesting. Big Zoro guy. Uh, I got a loser. My beloved New York Jets, the secondary. We got major problems, guys. Oof. We have major issues. Uh, we'll start with the preseason game, which was an issue. D. Milner looked great, and that was great. He, he knocked away a pass intended for Keem Nix. He, he appeared to be up to the task of being the Jets' number one corner from what we saw. On the other side of the field, Dimitri Patterson struggled, got lit up a couple times, fell down, just did not look good. So you're thinking to yourself, oh, they still have an issue at second cornerback, but D, we're, we're on the right track. Fast forward a couple days, D. Milner, high ankle sprain it looks like, so swollen on mm-hmm. Monday that they couldn't even – do an X-ray or an MRI. So his availability, availability for week one is in doubt. So you lose your number one cornerback, your number two cornerback, who I said, Demetri Patterson. He has three separate injuries at once, apparently, as well as being bad at, at coverage. So he's out of the picture. <laughs> Dexter McDougal, their third-round pick cornerback, I believe the same day D. Milner went down, blew out his knee. So bye-bye. Nice knowing you, buddy. See you next year. Uh, leads you in a situation where they came to practice on Monday – one cornerback, uh, a journeyman safety, or not a journeyman, but a safety, Antonio Allen, played cornerback. Ellis Langster, get excited, mm, people, the other cornerback. I like the name. Uh, we heard a report from the Daily News that the Jets reached out to Asante Samuel, who doesn't have a job, but that's probably not happening. I love that report, by the way, because it was so idzik. We reached out to him, but we, <laughs> we won't be signing him anytime soon. And speaking of idzik, Wes, again, on fire right now, queuing me up. Uh, they spoke to Idzik. He came out from the glacier. He climbed off the glacier to speak and stated that he has no regrets about how he handled the offseason in terms of uh, courting free agent secondary members. And now the Jets have a major issue in their back end, and it was already an issue, and now with these injuries, it's code red. Loser. Wow, they should be fine with their leading outside you know, pass rusher, Calvin Pace. They're 34, <laughs> 34 years old. 
Hey, no, wow. come on. Let's, let's stick to the secondary right now. Can I change my vote on a team most likely to threaten the Patriots and the AFC? <laughs> uh, maybe they could sign Ed Reed to play cornerback. Oh, yikes. It's the worst – it's the worst cornerback group Rex Ryan's ever had. That's not even and it's de- not even close. It's not even debatable. And you just wonder. He's always constructed his defenses in a certain sort of way. And Bill Belichick has found this out the last five years. You can't be as creative when your players aren't as good on defense. You you can't you know start throwing out all those magical little formations. Rex tried to downplay this on Monday, saying it's about the defense, not about the certain way I coach cornerbacks. But he is a he is a coordinator who relies almost implicitly on cornerbacks who play press man and can hold their own. Uh, Revis not signing, re-signing with the Jets didn't bother me. There was almost there was almost too much in the relationship at that point. It's like when a boyfriend or girlfriend break up, sometimes they get together, but it never works out. And it was too much is done. The guy that said he wanted to be on broad, go to Broadway plays, but then ended up signing. Alteron Werner. Yeah, Werner. I want to live in a city full of culture and theatrics. Yeah, yeah. Have fun down there, buddy. Uh, uh, theater uh, vulture. What do you call those people? Culture vulture. Culture vulture. And then uh, Akib Talib. I wasn't going to go crazy about, but when they didn't get um, Dominique Rogers Cromartie and he went to the Giants on top of it, I, I knew that was bad, and now they are in a bad spot. Bad job, Glacier. If there's any silver lining, if they can find anyone to play to get that second cornerback spot, uh, Milner, I, I rewatched the Jets game. Again, one game, but he finished last year strong. He did look good. And I wear a high ankle sprain, you know, is a bad injury. You don't know. You could be those things where next summer you're seeing the reports, oh, I never was 100% healthy the whole year. I, just, I pray that's not the case. But if that is the case, they're in a tough spot. He can still backpedal better than Jadavian Clowney. He, he clinches that D. Snyder will be the number one ranked D for at least another year. <laughs> <laughs> Twisted sister mentioned. Good job. It uh, climbs back into his glacier, consults away. actuarial tables and abacus. That's his penguin on the head. Uh, all right, we have another round of losers? Well, I'll pick a loser. Jumping off of Mark's uh, zebra rant, I, it's rules-related. This extra point thing, which I didn't like last week, I like it even less after watching it play out. They're kicking the ball from 33 yards out for extra points for a couple weeks in the preseason. Shocker, almost all of them were made because that's a very, it's way too easy Two were missed, kick. though. Three were missed Three. in the end. That's 95%, which is better than 99%. But why, why not just have a play where something different happens? Why not make it further back or just make them go for two or something? It's it just stupid. seems like a half measure. Exactly. Wes, another loser. Raiders fans. Oh, Still? You're not all losers, guys. I mean, some of you are big-time losers. Scar <laughs> is wow. one of the great lo- uh, Raiders fans, not a loser. Just, I love Raiders fans. Passionate. Yeah. Um, the, unfortunately, they've been led to believe, these passionate fans, by the coaching staff and the players, that this is a playoff team. Mm. It's nowhere near a playoff team. It might be the worst team. You have to have a quarterback. They do not have a quarterback. Schaub didn't look good. I mean, he you couldn't see too much. But this is a guy without with an arm he doesn't trust. And to me, he still looks like a guy with, with an arm he doesn't trust. Derek Carr didn't look like he was ready. Offensive line. Blew too many blocks. Receivers dropped a lot of passes. I just think the Raiders are way, way far away from what they've been selling their fans. A on. team with no identity is the way I watched the Raiders in that game. Smells like five and eleven again. Darren McFadden, only one run in the game, but it was an explosive run. Yeah, so there, there's something good. MJD looked pretty good, I thought. He, yeah, in the limited work, he looked a little spry. Does he look taller in a Raiders uniform? The thing is, <laughs> I've heard some people killing Schaub, and they asked Dennis Allen whether he's going to change his plan after that game. And anyone killing Schaub didn't watch the game. He had four incompletions. Dennis, literally Allen. two of them of the four were drops, there were and drops. one of the other two was a play where it sure looked like a rookie didn't break off. Uh, a route when people were blitzing. So he basically had one bad throw. The sideline throw, you're supposed to throw it through your receiver not have it dying on yeah, the way well, down. that wasn't a good throw. That was the one other one. See, Dennis Allen, you can't trust him because he's delusional when it comes to his quarterbacks. <laughs> he has no idea that Matt Schaub is a broken quarterback, and he keeps touting him as, as a great quarterback. By the way, his first pass was nearly picked off. It was like a pick six for uh, the ages for Captain Merlin. He didn't hold on to the pass. That, yeah, I think that's the one yeah. Wes that is talking have about. Been, that would have blown the world that was up. Like, that was like the bad pass. But Michael Rivera killed two drives on with third down drops. And like, all right, he's in the he's in the game for three drives. Shops two of them the ended on thir- three. third down drops. Sessler, loser. Not you. 
Shab on the on, thank you. Yeah. Shut, you know so Shab on the bench. What is that? A uh, that's your Shab on the bench by week three. I'm starting right he, there. He wants the music. That was Sessler's cue. He's like, this is my thing. I don't think that's even bold. Anyone, no. anyone in Northern California can come up with that prediction. My loser, my number, my number two loser, and it, it pains me to do this. And I know you'll think that I'm kidding, but I'm not. I, I root for this guy on some level, but come on, Trent Richardson. Uh, All right? And I thought we actually did a nice say, job oh, of – getting on this guy. Now, you know, no the line. reason I went back and the reason I saw Milner was to watch Trent Richardson because I saw stuff bubble up about him, oh, blah, 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 still the same guy. A nice run out of the gate, and then it's a bunch of – I think Wesleyan put the phrase, this guy can't find his way out of an elevator. <laughs> That's what I'm seeing. I understand they have their line issues. But and this against run, arguably a top three defensive line in the NFL. I'm not sure it matters. And, and I hope to be proven wrong. I'm not saying this is true, but it seems to me it doesn't matter who he's facing or mm. what sort of line he has in front of him. This guy is not the player we saw at Alabama. You're a brave man if you predict he ever becomes like a 1,300-yard rusher at this point. So I would have liked I to see I, agree. I would have liked to see him come in about 15 pounds lighter and maybe look like Mark Ingram with some more burst. But to me, he looks like the same guy as last year. I have, uh, I have one final loser myself, and it is I have a Sessler about this. And I don't root for these things, but uh, Bill O'Brien, one and done for the Houston Texans. <laughs> I just feel it. I just feel it in my bones. Well, they uh, didn't set – I mean, they set him up with Ryan Fitzpatrick that, as a and starting that's what quarterback. I mean. They set him up with a, a built-to-lose situation. If, and Fitzpatrick, it's similar. It's On some level, there's some parallels to the Jets' secondary situation where they, it was already a loose base. And then if things go wrong, and, and in this case, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then they turn to Case Keenum, and he doesn't do it, and then – Tom Savage, if he's something that's a real entity. Those guys are all guys you're not going to count on to make plays. I just, you know, 4-12, and 12, they don't like what's going on. The, the, the owner, McNair, doesn't seem like the most patient man. You, he thought this was going to be an AFC contender this year. He gone. You, you are uh, known in Houston as a Texans hater, so this is kind of well, or continuing a theme as a seer. Last year. A realist. Right. I went on a, tech, a Houston radio show and predicted 8-8, eight and eight, and they literally laughed at, laughed at me. I wrote it. They called me up to get me on the show to make fun of me about it and then said, <laughs> we'll have you back on after the season ends and we'll talk about this. And I was like, all right, buddy. They went 2-14, and 14, never heard back. One lesson for me. Good job, guys. Good when, job by you. When everyone says, like, oh, the Texans, they have to take Jadavian Clowney. They just have to. There's nothing else you can do. They don't have a quarterback, but how can you pass on Clowney? You know what? If I were so you're saying t- this, this clowny pick, bad idea. I'm not saying it's a bad pick at all. He's totally worthy of the top pick potentially. But if the result is I'm a first-year head coach that has no quarterback, you're what, not going to be a coach yeah, but for if long. You, what if they don't believe in any of the yeah, rookie quarterbacks? If those quarterback? quarterbacks aren't good either, it's even worse because well, you're sunk with them. That's fine. But then we hear the owner saying, I wasn't up for taking Johnny Manziel because that's, it would have been too much fanfare. That's it's true. Like, that's an owner to me. That wants to have Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's the quarterback you get. Have a nice time with four and twelve. We've heard a lot of reports. <laughs> Sessler literally <laughs> angry, spitting no, into the microphone. I, it annoys me that the Texans. It, this is the stuff. When and it, it's just like Schaub. When you have to sit there with three or four months of a coach and a front office telling you that these broken down quarterbacks that we've seen. Well, what are they going to say? I totally disagree, though, that they should have just taken a quarterback because they need a quarterback. He gone. If, then, then that kills the entire. They could have signed Josh. For Three years instead of waiting a year. There's the expectations this year really they could, aren't that high. They could have gotten a better court, better veteran yes. than Ryan Fitzpatrick. That, that, that I, I think agree they with. set their ceiling very low with Fitzpatrick. Well, That's my issue. One thing we've heard out of Houston practices is that so, someone wrote, I think it was Stephanie Stradley, that the best day of Bill O'Brien's practices were was worse than the worst day of any Gary Kubiak offensive practice that they ever saw. Now. I don't know if that's true, but it gets you thinking. Talking about practice. If you just think about offensive personnel and then the production that you got out of that offensive personnel, Gary Kubiak is one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL. He's one of the best five. He pretty much maxed out and was very consistent year to year with okay quarterbacks. He pretty much made the you know offensive line very good on you know running the ball. He took Arian Foster undraft. They were a very consistent, good offense for seven or eight years. 
and now you're changing everything, and the players don't fit. I'm rooting for Tom Savage to play at some point this season because I've never seen a Chupacabra play quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Someone with a Savage jersey was in that game. He took, he took a couple sacks. I'm just saying. All right, uh, that's it for today's edition of the Around the League podcast. We will be back as an overall entity on Wednesday with another show talking about everything that's going on in the NFL. I will be stepping away for a little while, as I said. Uh, gentlemen, hold Good luck to down. you, buddy. Thank you. I really appreciate that, Mark. Well, we're, uh, we have to stop by the Hans' household, I think, at some point and visit the new edition. Apparently, I won't be invited. Well, you, <laughs> you've disinvited yourself, essentially. But maybe if we can, I don't know, keep you like in the car or something, I could hold, hold you could boy. You turn your son into a bubble boy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, best of luck to you, gentlemen, holding the ship down. Enjoy, I have man. total confidence in the operation. I wish you weren't a liar. Your face <laughs> belies that remark. And I will be listening. Very closely, so you'll be up. You'll nervous. be up late at night, killing some time. Yep. If you're trying to, you know, put him to bed or whatever, you know, just don't really listen to the crying. Just pop in those, you know. Ignore ear- my newborn child. Pop in, yeah, pop in the earbuds. <laughs> listen to this voice. I like that Which advice. would you rather hear? Fatherhood tips from Greg <laughs> Rosenthal. All right, that's it. This is Dan Hens signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, and TD behind the glass. Till Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.